So today we continue with how to meditate and brief review. Meditation, we use in and out breathing and we use the breath as the focus, as the object and reasons we already have explained in detail. And we say meditation is broken into two perspectives, two parts, stabilization, mental stabilization and people call it concentration. But the better word for it is stabilization. Because concentration is you deliberately concentrate on something. That's not what samatha means. Stabilization, and it also in, includes introspection, which is vipassana in the Sanskrit language. Stabilization and introspection. What is introspection? It's contemplating within. So stabilization, we say counting, following, and stabilization. We already have spent 16, 20 hours on that. And we are now talking about introspection. And in introspection, we require a lot of explanation on it. Uh, because counting, following, and stabilization, uh, it seems that stabilization it's just monopolized by the Buddhist teaching. No, other religions are also talking about, are also practicing stabilization. The Christians, Roman Catholic, those hermits up in the mountain, they are doing meditation too. Meditation is not just for the Buddhists. Something is wrong. But it, other religions are also practicing meditation. And some of them have very high level of stabilization. So um, the Buddhist or the Buddha didn't monopolize the, the idea of meditation, no. They are hermits. Uh, they are the people who are living in uh, uh, reclusive areas in, up in the mountains. They are really practicing well. But they may not be doing the same introspection as what the Buddha taught. Introspection could be different. And introspection is the wisdom area. You need both to attain enlightenment. And now we are in introspection. When we're talking about introspection, it's so multifaceted. It, 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 it includes so many subjects um, that, that is contained in the Buddhist Tripitaka, uh, the, and in the Buddhist teaching. Billions and billions of words in the Buddhist, in, in the Buddhist canons. In the Vinaya, in, um, uh, in Samatha, in Vipassana. Billions of words. It, it, especially the, the, the Chinese literature of Buddhism, it contains billions of words that if one wants to study more than 100 years, you cannot finish studying it. Because for centuries, the, 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 uh, uh, Buddhist monks have been traveling to, to India learned the Buddhist, uh, the, the, the Buddhist situation and brought them back. And they, they are the most, it contains the most resourceful, resourceful uh, information. Now getting to introspection, we say introspection is very important because stabilization is stopping all the wandering thoughts and introspection is after stopping the wandering thoughts, then you have to increase the wisdom level in order to achieve further um, vipassana or furthering your samatha. 
Um, in some cases, when people are doing stabilization, you have to watch out. There's the dark side of meditation. Some people, if they don't know how to meditate, if they follow teachers that are just teaching from a book, teaching from a piece of paper, you could get, you could get into trouble. You could get into what we call Zen sickness. People usually don't mention that. If you, if you get too deep into it, don't try to be a meditation teacher that easily. You could lead people astray. When people get sick, can you, can you, do you have the experiences of healing them? Or you just teach from a book or teach from a tape? Don't do that. Because when people get into trouble, you must know what's the trouble, what's the Zen sickness. Most people, when you get into Zen sickness, they say, oh, you're not normal. Uh, this is not the place for you. Then you will be miserable. And uh, some people have kundalini awakening, and they could get into suffering for 20 years, 25 years, 15 years. And if you don't have the right teacher, you could be in trouble. So always be very careful in doing stabilization and be very careful in introspection. Don't just, you think you can meditate from watching a video? What happened if you run into the problem? What happened if you run into the chi problem where you have multiple headaches, depressions, anxiety, fear that nobody can talk to you about? You'll be suffering. So watch out. I'm telling you, watch out. All right? <laughs> it's, it's not that simple. All right, introspection. So we've been talking about introspection. And introspection, that means you always have to, th to think about certain concepts. What concepts do you apply to daily life? We call it the prajna. Prajna wisdom, the concepts. And we've been talking on concepts. It's multivarious, it's various. So many of these uh, concepts that the Buddha introduced to us, you can get that from those concepts you can get nowadays because of the mass communications and mass media and internet, you can always get concepts. And sometimes they are right concepts, true concepts, harmonious concepts. You can get them from internet, but make sure you choose the right one. And, and also, in the old days, only the teacher uh, taught you all these concepts by reading. But in these days, you don't really have to attend lectures, and you may sometimes get the right concepts from the internet. Just watch out. Uh, you have to thoroughly understand it. And we'll introduce a few general concepts, and we haven't introduced the specific concepts. We, some general concepts you need to know in order to introspect in order to, to, um, to elevate your wisdom level up to a level that you can attain enlightenment, up to a level that you can actually see through things, see, see things in reality. Don't get into delusive thinking. Don't be cheated by delus de delusive objects. That will, will when, in the process of studying, then you know what is right and what is wrong. Before you can concept conceptualize, before you introspect, you must know what is right and what is wrong. If you don't even know what right and wrong, 
then you could introspect the wrong, the wrong thing, and you think this is right. For example, you think, okay, eating meat is right. We've been doing that all the time. Killing animals for food is right. We've been doing it all the time. So we're killing cows, we're killing pigs, we're killing chicken, we're killing ducks. But the Buddha said, no. Habitually, you have been do- thinking in the wrong way. You should not inflict pain and suffering on animals just because you want a taste of flesh and blood. Don't kill animals for food. But people have been thinking that way. That's just one example. So you have to know what is right and what is wrong. So we have been talking about the, the, the threefold uh, nature of the universe. What are these threefold nature of universe, of, of the world? You have to remember uh, these concepts. And these are, these are general concepts that you must remember. Last time, we have come to introduce uh, Paticca Samuppatta. Uh, inter, uh, we call it interdependent occurrence. Some people call it dependent origination, the 12 links of dependent originations. And some, some monks translated it as antecedental concurrence. <laughs> it's very complicated. Uh, actually, um, it does not matter the, uh, the, uh, the word translation, get into the meaning of it. So last time, we stopped at a level where we say we we'll explain ignorance, avidya, start from this. It's a, chain. it's a chain of life and death. Start from avidya, which is ignorance or mental unconsciousness or no thinking. When a child is born, we explained it in details already, avidya, its mind is in the mind of no rational thinking activity, but there's still emotional reaction. The child still have emotional reaction when the child is born. We already have explained that. And then the, se- the second antecedental uh, occurrence, pre- the uh, avidya is antecedental occurrence. Then, it fo- then sankara follows. Sankara is... It's uh, the mental construction in child, in, inside the baby's mind. The baby has mental constructions. Uh, we, we, the baby has vadana san, sana, uh, the, the, the mental part of the sankara, and the uh, vitaka vichara, which is the verbal part, uh, the, uh, and, and also the uh, anapana, which is the physical part, the breathing, the first sankara, of a baby coming out from the mother's womb is breathing. That's the first thing you do, breathing. The child does not, the baby does not breathe inside the mother's womb. When it comes out, it starts to breathe. That's the first physical action. And then the child struggling and crying will be the verbal part. Mental, the baby, what, what is going on? The baby does not know what's going on. That's the zankara. The initial mental constructions inside the baby's mind. We use the baby as an example to explain this. How baby was born, after his, uh, the baby is born, how, how did the baby react to externalities? And then the third is vinana. Vinana is continued awareness of the baby of the environments. The baby's eyes would see matters, the baby's ears would listen to sound, the baby's 
um, uh, the baby's nose would smell the milk or smell the environments, and the baby's tongue would taste the, the milk taste, and then body is to touch, and the baby have the brain to think about various things, initial mental constructions. So that's vinana, the vinana of the baby, or we call it the perception of the the baby perceived too, innocently, naively, the baby perceived, uh, and then. At the same time, there's the fourth incident or occurrence is nama rupa. What is what is rupa? Rupa is the mental images in your mind. Rupa, nama is what names. The baby start to begin to identify names through interaction with mother or father or brother and sisters. The mother when the mother. Give the baby milk. Say this is milk for the baby. The baby milk, milk. Then the baby know what milk is. So there's nama as the name. The baby begin begin to identify certain things with name. This is milk. This is mum. This is dad. You know. This is brother. You know. This is um, a blanket, or this is a soft sucker. You know. So the baby start. As the baby is growing, start to identify everything with a name, and start identify not just with the name, with the mental images in their mind that experience. So that is nama rupa. So everybody knows things by names. So you think in terms of names. Name is a concept. You know all these names. Otherwise, you can't think about it. Thinking starts with name and and and, and mental images. So that is nama rupa, identification of names. And then next would be sanyatana. Continue. The baby will continue. Eyes interact with matters. Would give visual consciousness. No ears listen to sound. Would give auditory consciousness. Nose interact with smell. Would give olfactory consciousness. Tongue would taste. Gustatory consciousness, body touch, tactile consciousness, thought with cognition. Salyatana is the baby begin to cognize. To cognize is to the, the the perception is being further and deeper and deeper into percep into the perception. We call it cognition. Cognition to cognize something. To cognize something is to see, to hear, to listen, to taste, and to touch. And other than cognize, there's also a recognize. We call it a recognition or a recognition. We call it a re. What is a re? When the baby, when the baby sees the milk, then the milk tastes good. The the, the milk is is white. The milk. Is soft in a bottle, so he recognized the, the 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 milk, the bottle of milk as something soft, something tasty, something that he likes. So he recognized it. The first is a cognition, and then is a recognition. Recognize. You know what recognizes? He recognizes it by remembering it. Put it in his memory chip. The baby's mind has memory. Put everything in the memory, recognition. So the mom say, "This is milk. This is a sucker. This is mom." And the baby remembers when the baby sees the mother's face, the the, the mother's 
smiling, and the baby starts to, to, to love the smile, to love the tender, uh, soft voice of the mom. So whenever the mom approaches, the baby feels happy because there's milk in place. That's the, that's the, the, the mother, mother's tender, loving language, soft-spoken language. So he recognized the mom as tender, as giving milk, you know, that pleasurable, something pleasurable. And maybe when the brother comes along, or when a cat and dog comes along, the, the, the brother is not slapping the baby's face, and, 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 and then the baby knows when, when, when this brother comes, he's not giving, he's not giving me tender, loving care, and he starts to repulse the brother. So that is liking and disliking. That is attraction and repulsiveness. Attractiveness and repulsiveness. It's already been set up in the baby's mind. The baby loves and hates. <laughs> you already have that. Salyatana, what is perceived through the six. Zal means the six senses, the six sensory organs that is here. Salyatana. Uh, so avidya, will we start from here? Avidya give rise to sankara. Avidya, Sankara, Sankara give rise to Vinana, Vinana give rise to Namarupa, Namarupa give rise to Sariyatana. So there's a song that sings it out. Avidya, Sankara, Sankara, Vinana. They sing it out. They, actually, they sing out. It's a song singing out Paticca Samapatta. It's life. Avidya, Sankara. Avicca, Sankara, Sankara, Vinana, Vinana, Namarupa, Namarupa, Sanyatana. They, they, they compose a very lovely song to it. And you get it from, from Google. A lovely song of Paticca Samapata. Alright, so Sanyatana. And then, the next is Pasa. Pasa. Pasa is Cognition, when the six senses are experiencing environments to create mental images. Like I, what I said, the baby loves the mom's face, dislike the brother's face. When the baby, when the baby is hungry, the baby is ex ex expressing displeasure by crying. When the baby meets the mom's tender loving language or face, the baby's smile. So there's a recognition, there's attractions to the baby, there's also repulsion to the baby. So attractiveness and repulsiveness already been set up in the baby's mind. And then, as the baby grows, there's more and more recognition. And this recognition also means that, for example, when you cognize something and you recognize something, next time when you come across it, you don't even have to think. You know how to react to it. For example, if I, if I, if I see a cup, my mom told me when I was a baby, this is a cup, a cup. So a cup contains water. And when I, the next time I see a cup of water, I already know this, water, this cup of water is for me to drink. So I've been told that this is a chair, and I, I, was sitting, I was sitting on it. The next time when I see a chair, I don't have to say, what is this chair for? I know this chair is for sitting. So that's a recognition. 
So you know what you know the importance of education. Initial education is to educate. If the, the child received the right education, the child would be a good, responsible child. If the child is being ignored in the child's education, the child may not be a good citizen in the future. So it's education, education from from the from the cradle. As a matter of fact, not just from the cradle, from the mother's womb, there's already education. All right. So, pasta, pasta will give rise to vadana. Vadana means the baby have emotional feelings now. The baby, if it's something pleasant, the baby finds it pleasurable. If something unpleasant, the baby finds it unpleasurable. And there could be something neutral. So there's attraction, repulsion, repulsiveness, attractiveness. Okay, and as the baby grows into a toddler, into you know, in, in six, seven years old, it, the baby starts to have vedanta and starts to build up tangha. What is tangha? Emotional reaction to feeling. The baby hates certain things, loves certain things. It builds up tangha. Hate, love, tall, small, fat, thin, discrimination, stigmatization, labeling. Some babies are more compassionate than the others because it depends on how the parents teach the baby, teach teach, teach the child. Some some child are tender, loving to everybody. Some child put up a defensive mechanism within them. Because they have been, maybe they have been attacked too much by externalities. So you have tang tangha, you have emotional reaction to feelings, hate, dislike, all that. And then there's upadanta. Upadanta is needs a little bit of explanation. Personalization of subjective experiences. When when we use our senses to interact with externalities, I see, ears listen, nose smell, tongue taste, body touch, mind interact with all things that we are, we're thinking about. When we are doing that, just take an example. When we see something, there must be an object. And that object that you see, that your senses interact with, give you objective experience. And then you start to like or dislike because of this emotional feeling, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. You start to build up what? Subjective experiences. You try to alienate objective experiences and you try to personalize your subjective experiences, which is wrong, of course. How do you how do you alienate objective experiences? The teenagers say, "I hate this guy. I alienate this guy. I have racial discrimination." My mom said, "I shouldn't hate. I shouldn't love this kind of people. So I hate this kind of people." So he alienates, set up objective experiences. He alienates this object. I like this. I don't like this. This is bad. This is good. And he start to personalize things he like. 
when you start to personalize, what do you do? You set up an ego. I love this, I hate this. We set up an ego. When you start to personalize, the moment you start to personalize, what do you do? When you start to personalize, all of a sudden, you have an I. This is mine. I like this. This is mine. You don't take it away. This is mine possession. You don't take it away. This is I. I want to be number one. I don't want you to be number one. I take this first. You step back. I, always I. The moment you, you personalize, you equalize, you say I. And when you say I, 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 mine, 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 then you start to think about when there's an I, when there's a mind, there must be an I and a, and, a, and a mind that you point to, that you identify, right? What is this I that you identify? What is this mind that you identify? There must be something, some object, then you identify as I or mine. What is this object? Do you, the moment you, you, you personalize it, you identify this object as I. What is this? If there's no object, how, how, what is your eye, right? I, there's no object, then what is your eye? You tell me. You identify this eye as your body, as your self. A self, this is my self. A self, you have a self thinking. You have an ego thinking, you have a self thinking. This is a self. And what is your self make up of? The body and the mind. The body you're given by your mom, the mind is what you develop. Your mind is personalized, your body is objectively living in a changing situations. So what is your I, what is your mind? But you're still attached to this body as I. And when we talk about a body, Let's explore more about this body. What is this body? What is this body? This body, if there's any object in the world, if we identify an object as an object, in reality, we must say this object occupies space and time, right? Otherwise, what is an object? Is there any object that, that does not occupy space and time? You tell me. This occupies space and time. There's nothing, there's no object that does not occupy space and time. So you say this body occupies space and time, right? But then, let's analyze this body as an object that occupies time. Okay, then we, we analyze how to occupy space. What is the body occupies time? So what is time? What is time? Time is three-dimensional. The past, the future, and the present, right? Time is the past, the future, and the present. And then we say, what is the past? The past is already gone. You can't get yesterday back, can you? You can't even get last minute back. 
So time, the time of the past, you can't get it back. The time of the past only existed in the past. It does not exist now. Past does not exist. Past has no existence. But some people attach to past. That's why they agonize on something. That's why they get jealous on the past. That's why they get, they become happy when they think of the past, good times, and they become agonizing when they think of the past, bad times. But you're fooling yourself. The past is gone. The past does not exist. The past does not exist. Everybody knows. Then what's the future? The future hasn't come yet. You're worrying about your future. Tomorrow hasn't come. You think you think tomorrow exists now? We must be a fool to think that tomorrow exists now. Now could be leading tomorrow, but tomorrow does not exist. So past is not existing. Future is not existing. Isn't what's the present? There's a present, right? Is there a present? The present of every minute becomes the past. One minute ago, when I uttered a sentence, it's already become a past. There's no present, because the present is always ticking, ticking to the past. So how can you say the present exists? So the past does not exist. The future does not exist. The present does not exist. Then what is time? Then your body does not exist. It's just a delusive existence. We are living in a dream of existence, but we attach to the body. We attach to the self. We struggle for it. We fight for it. We even die for it. And just to say a few more before we go for, before we go for lunch, what is in reality? In theory, we talk about it. Your past is when you were a baby. Your past when you were in the mother's womb, and then when you got born, okay, you recognize that as your first dropping into this world. Your past is when you get born as a baby. There's birth. What is your future? What is your future? Your future is when you are living in. The future is when you are lying down in ocean view. Eight feet under the ground, that is called death. That's your future. That's our future. Your future is death. So your past is birth. Your future is death. And what is the present? For sure, you know what the present is. Your present is aging every day. Is anybody in here who is not aging? Are you getting younger and younger every day? Your present is aging. So, what's the meaning of this self that you personalize? Yes, past is birth, future is death, present is aging, and you still you still hang on to this what you call happiness. You still hang on to to, to this looking for fame and reputation and money and. And 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 sacrificing other people's interests at other people's expense to better yourself, selfishly doing things that you are bettering yourself, and think you you grow from it, you get happy from it. 
That's time. But how about space? What does the body occupy space, right? What is, what is space? Space is the length, the breadth, the height, and the weight, right? What is your height? All right, you're six feet, for example. What is your breadth? When you're not obese, you're just about two feet, right? <laughs> your, your, your breath. And what is your weight? You know what your weight is. But your breath, your width, your weight is changing every second. It does not stay. Every seven days, you have more or less a major change in your body cells. Every second inside your body is changing with movement, with breath, with blood. You don't have a real self. Because anything that is real and permanent exists will never die out. But your existence is just in a process of change. You never exist as an eternity. You only exist as a master of body, bodily organs. You don't have a, a, an eternity you don't have a permanent object that you call a self. You only delusively identify your body as a self. Because we identify our body as a self, we got into trouble. Because we identify our body as a self, then we have aging and birth and suffering. It's only when we get rid of self, no self, that you are free from suffering. That's exactly what the Buddha was talking about. When you have Ubadana, you have personalization, and then mental creation of a delusive self, Bhava, and then you have birth, you have death, Jara, Marana, and that's your cycle. When you die, what happens? You carry your karma to roll into the next round of incarnation again. This lifetime you are, you are John, in the next lifetime, you could be Jeanette. You could be, I don't know, William, Bill, <laughs> you know, every, every process. You are going through this process for billions of reincarnations. You haven't gone out from life and death. The Buddha said, you can get out from it. You created your own suffering. When you know, that you're living in a delusive dream of existence, you begin to get enlightenment. A majority of the people, they're always in a self, selfish, egoistic perspective that bound them with sufferings. It's easy to talk about it, but it's very difficult really to get enlightened from this concept. It's just that when we, when we meditate, we say, used to be many, many years ago, I said, everybody, when you meditate, I said, everybody, when, before you meditate, close your eyes, and I'm giving you something. Hold out your hands, so everybody hold out his hands. I'll give you a bag, a garbage bag. Close your eyes, I'll give you a garbage bag. In this hall, I say, close your eyes, I'll give you a garbage bag. And what you do is, before you meditate, before you meditate, dump all your mental garbage into that bag. You visualize that you're dumping, dumping your, your, your depression, your hatred, your love, 
your greediness, your selfishness, dump all these things into that bag, seal it up, and throw it out that door, those doors. That's the reason why I have so many doors for you. You see, one, two, three, four, five, six doors. You know why? We deliberately build six doors so that you can throw out all this garbage out of that door, of all of those six doors. You don't need this selfish garbage in your mind that brings us all the suffering. And then usually some people will ask later, so what do we do with this garbage back later? We're, in, we're living in a friendly, uh, environmentally friendly environment. You are polluting this outside the door. And I said, you don't worry about it because you will automatically pick it up when you leave. You'll pick up your depression again. You pick up your anxiety again. You pick up your worry again. You pick up your jealousy again. It's easy to talk about it, but difficult to achieve and practice. So I never worry about those garbage jamming my doors. You will, for sure, pick up your jealousy, your hatred, your, 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 yourself, automatically. So I finished this. Patisha Samapata. I don't have to... I usually spend days on this. We'll talk about something else. And we'll, right now, we're talking about concepts for introspection. And I'm only bringing out some general concepts. And then, of course, there are specific concepts. You need to put all these concepts together when you are doing your introspection, when you're doing your thinking. If you don't have concepts, how can you think? When you're sitting in there, meditation, you don't have a concept? There must become some concept in your mind to think about, to bring forward the prajna, the wisdom. And then you use this wisdom to tackle your problems, to give you the enlightenment, the insight to tackle all these problems and suffering, dissipate these sufferings, all by your mental visualization, by your introspection. That's why we're meditating. Meditating is not just sit there doing nothing. You have to do introspection with all this necessary wise concepts as spoken and introduced by the Buddha.